Welcome to another episode of Knives Monroe versus the podcast. I'm Knives Monroe. How you guys doing? Hopefully you're doing well. By the time you're hearing this, it's January 8th, 2020. We haven't missed a day of podcasting for over a week. I'm very proud of that. And I'm also proud to introduce someone who I want to call dear friend. We've been talking <laughs> on again, off again for about three years now. Yeah. My good friend, Jake Cole. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad, man. How's it going, my man, it's, Knives? It's going well, man. You're looking good, looking real creative. I can see your rig in the background. What is that, a Panasonic yeah. GH4 or 5? Uh, no, this is actually a Blackmagic 6K uh, with a tilter rig um yeah <laughs> damn it's a good time it's a real good time i love it yeah good 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 for you dude um so i really want to get into your origin story i want you to go all miles morales <laughs> on me but um since you mentioned it how's the 6k black magic oh my god it's a monster and a half i never thought that using an external solid state drive like i, I knew it was going to be a lot of info but recording like half an hour was for like 600 gigs. No. So, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. No. I'm, like, I'm sorry. I need no. a better ingest system. Is it worth it? That's the, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. Sure. 100%. So, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't, I haven't played with it. I did, I did use um, for maybe a week. I didn't get to do too much testing, but it was, it was fun. I really decked out. I rented uh, the Blackmagic 4K. Had yeah. the micro four thirds and with the glass that I already had, ooh, I mean it was it was pretty marvelous. Oh, yeah. um, I gotta ask, so when you go to six K, it's like a like a two point something crop, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is two times crop. And you got the EF uh, mount. And I got the what now? The EF mount. Yes, correct. I have uh, Rokinon thirty five on there, and I actually just bought a uh, Sigma twenty seven to seventy. Oh yeah, 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 but. Yeah. Uh, I bought one of those, and I thought it was 2.8 the whole way, but it's not. No, it is not. No, I know. It's, it's, the, the more you zoom in, it goes to four. It goes yeah. to four. That's it's, terrible. Yeah. Not terrible. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. Uh, for, like, low-light situations, I wanted, you know, like, a more wide shot anyways. I like kind of shooting wider anyways. Um, but it's it goes to 2.8 on wide, so it's not terrible for me. Dude, that's awesome. I can just switch it to uh, the other prime lenses I have, which my 35 goes to 1.8. I have an 85 that goes to, I think, a 1.8 as well or 2. You know, those are actually low-light beasts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. You could jack it that's up to, thing. like, I don't know, 3,600 30, ISO, and it looks dope. Uh, yeah. I mean, this uh, this the 6K, it has what's called a dual-native ISO, which I'm sure you know about. About where the native ISO for is 400 uh, as well as 3200. So you'll get the same amount of dynamic range, the same amount of clarity at 3200 ISO that you would get at 400. Yeah. Which to me like blows the crap out of my mind. I know it's really good. I will say, um, I don't know. I don't think like dual ISO is still relatively new. I think the mm -hmm. GH5S has it maybe. Yeah. I'm not it too does. sure. Yeah, and yep. uh, but I don't think any of the Sony's have it, like uh, the A7 III or the Ace, a a uh, was it AS the A7S2 S A7S2, yeah, yeah. I don't think that has it, but that was one of the best low light cameras I've ever used in my life. Oh my gosh, yeah, it doesn't even really need dual so for Sony cameras because they're just such low light beasts. Okay, like, so I want to get into all this nerd talk. Yeah, I love it, yeah. but Jake, it's fine. Let me nerd ask talk, you just a yeah. few preliminary questions. How many birthdays have you had? 
How many birthdays have I had? Uh, I just had my 25th birthday. You were four days ago. You were such a baby. Hey, happy belated birthday. Yeah. Don't tell me you were, was it July, I'm sorry, January 3rd? Yes, correct. Happy belated birthday, man. 25 years old. Man, you're so accomplished. You're doing so much at your age. Yeah. I I mean, that's the thing is like, you just got to keep going. That's, that's me. I'm always all ahead full. I can tell full tilt. I love it. Um, So where are you from? I am from uh, Stowe, Ohio. Um, I've traveled around a bit, um, but currently I'm living in Hudson, Ohio. I film the the majority of my film work comes from Cleveland and the Cleveland film industry. Um, Super big love and props to the Cleveland film industry as well. Uh, It's yeah, it's a great time filming here. It's it's a very competitive, a very hard industry uh, to get into because it's such a. I wouldn't say relatively new, but it's it's not as popping as like Atlanta or L.A. or New York or whatever. But from here, we can we can get a lot done. And it's funny, too, because when I see a lot of like the work that not just I do, but a lot of the work that a lot of my colleagues do, a lot of my friends do around here, people always ask that came from Cleveland. I'm like, yes, it did. <laughs> wow. Come, but I know of any here. Cleveland productions, any any work I may have seen or any notable filmmakers that came from Cleveland. So, uh, you might have heard of the Russo brothers. Oh, they, they sound are, familiar. They have, yeah. uh, they're like this little indie, they're like these indie guys, right? They're they did the, the ones uh, that have directed the, the Avengers, uh, the like Marvel like Avengers. They, yeah. yeah, they, they've directed, uh, the Marvel Avengers movies, Captain America, uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different things. I was actually helping them on a set recently with Warner brothers, Whoa. um, which, yeah, which, uh, was called cherry. Very fantastic. I'm not going to get too much and give too much away, but it's. I'm very excited for it. Well, it's, you went straight fantastic. for the humble brag real fast. That is awesome. Sorry, sorry. So it's what, what did you? What did you do? What was your? What was your title? What was your role? How did you? How did you land that? So um, I wasn't anything super crazy. I was part of the art department. I was part of the uh, props department. So mainly, the majority of my job was to get the props that were needed uh, from the warehouse to set. Uh, and besides that, I was able to help, uh, stock up their, uh, recruitment since they've, they needed at least 10 people to help out with various different departments. Um, I was able to call up a lot of my guys, a lot of my interns as well. And uh, I was able to help boost up the ranks and they're pretty appreciative of that. And so we got a lot of, we got about two weeks worth of, uh, stuff done in about a few days. Wow. Honestly, that's yeah. really cool. Um, the Russos, I, you know, I'm kidding when I say they, they make these little indie productions and everything, but yeah, they've, yeah. they've done some really cool things. Like, you know, uh, I think they directed some of the, like the funniest community episodes, things like that. Big fan yeah. of community. Um, did you get to meet them? I did. I got to meet uh, both Joe and Anthony at the rap party. Uh, they're, they're fantastic. It was, it was definitely interesting watching them work, um, how they direct on set. Um, as compared to like stupid behind the scenes things that you'd see for after like, you know, Avengers credits or whatever. But it, w- it was really interesting to see just the dynamic of how they work with uh, their DP as well as the rest of the cast. And it's it's interesting. A lot to take in from it, for sure. So this is a uh, is this um, like a secret project called Cherry or is it a movie called Cherry? It's it's a movie called Cherry. Um, it's it's not out obviously, but there's there's trailers, there's things of it you'll see. Like if you look it up, uh, it stars Tom Holland and uh, Sierra Bravo, 
And um, yeah, that's about all I'll try and give away of it because I, I didn't necessarily sign NDA, but I'd rather, you know, stick, stick to the safe side. Yeah, 100%. Man, that is so cool. So, I mean, would you say that you picked up anything notable from the directors that you'd want to implement like in your own production in the future? Well, yes and no. They had a they had a very a very tight but lax set, which you can have when you have like fifteen thousand people working on a movie. Um, but I think one of the best things that I really learned from them was uh, the ability to really take in the composition they had uh, for the DP and for. Uh, the Russos, they each had a separate tent. Usually the DP is next to uh, the director while they're with the AC watching the camera or watching the monitors, whatever. But they had the DP and the Russos in two separate tents. And then after uh, hmm. each play they would do, they would come together and they would discuss uh, what they liked about the composition, what they didn't like, what they need to change, what actors need to go where, um, things like that. But it's it was it's an interesting beast for sure. It's it's it makes you really appreciate all of the names that you see in the credits. A hundred percent, man. Let me ask you what how did you get into this business? Like, you know, you're still pretty young. You're twenty five years old, a quarter of a century. What was yeah. the the bug that bit you or the lightning bolt that hit you in the head? Um, for the industry as a whole or for Cherry the Project? Let's say filmmaking. For filmmaking as a whole, uh, well, in when I was, I'm still in college right now. I'm doing part time, but when I was in full time college, I did two years of uh, criminal justice studies, and uh, a lot of my time doing that uh, was going on police ride-alongs and uh, things of that nature. I was back then. Uh, I've, I've been editing since I was like 12 or 13, wow. and I was hired by a few different like YouTube like YouTubers that needed help with edits. So I would crank out some gaming videos, whatever. And during all that, I was also doing criminal justice. And it really got to a point where on like ride-alongs, I was seeing a lot of people who are my age right now, when I was like 18 or 19 at the time, who were just jaded, who just didn't like life that, I mean, in, day in and out, you deal with the dregs. You see, I've walked in on so many overdoses. It's ridiculous. Oh and it's just really... Really, just after my experience with all of that, I wanted to get and do something that was more meaningful to me, more fulfilling to me uh, than just being another cop who might get shot up on a traffic stop. Um, so I switched from criminal justice after two years of doing it to uh, to media studies, which my parents were very happy about. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and then after uh, and then after joining that, I took a few media classes. I met some of my uh, some of my friends that I still have now from those classes. Uh, I went and joined a uh, on campus TV station called ZTV, where after a semester they let me create and produce my own tv show um and then from there i built on my team uh we worked with micro budget to no budget all the time so i'm i i have no aversion to hard work but it's it's nice that as you keep evolving in this industry you kind of you get those people you get those resources you get the camera you get whatever you need and you can just bust out whatever you need um but yeah, that's kind of like my the, my Batman origin story was going doing criminal justice, come to the the media side because it's a lot more fulfilling, and I feel a lot more fulfilled. 
you know, that's the first time I've heard of a story where, you know, usually it's a cliche that someone's six years old and they're, they watch Jurassic Park and they're making a mini <laughs> movie with their dad's VCR camera with the dinosaur yeah. toys or something. And so just a couple years ago, you were training to be a cop, essentially. Yeah, that's absolutely. I was training to become a detective. No shit. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yep. So when when I, I I don't care remember if I reached out to you or if you reached out to me to do the the podcast intro for for my guy yeah. Dakota Meyer, were you still pursuing criminal justice at that time? That must have been like 2017. That was that was I think a year. I started media in 2015. Oh, okay. no, 2016. Yeah, so it's like a year, year and a half, two years maybe. After I started, yeah, yeah, and, and thank and that you for was, that. That, that was, was a good, when I worked that was with good intro uh, WZIP. You, you turned it around so fast, and I want to thank you again, again for that. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Or so, what? Where do you draw your inspiration from? Are you because most of us filmmakers are kind of cliche, like I said, with we go to <laughs> we go to cinema, we go to movies. It was the blockbusters oh, yeah. growing up and stuff like that. So you say it created, it, you know, it fulfills you much more. Um, what is it about cinema? Like what, why would it fulfill you? I think what's the most fulfilling thing for me is that, I don't know. I mean, I can give you like the cliche story of when I was a kid, I used to love just watching movies anyways. Yes. Um, but I think, I think what fulfills me the most about it is not even like really the, the creative aspect, even though I love that. It's just being able to tell someone's story story correctly and 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 perfectly you want you want i love capturing the essence of someone's of someone's story and having people be able to appreciate that kind of point of view and being able to appreciate the uh not just like the dialogue or the story itself but really the story in as a whole and being able to tell that story really heavily relies on knowing how to to make a good composition of lighting and how to make it sound good because 70% of all videos is great audio. You can watch a good looking video with crap audio and people will turn away from that. But you know, it's, that's, I don't know. That's kind of where I draw my inspiration is just finding those good stories to really sink into and try to help tell it really help tell it and hopefully make a good change in the world. And really actually after I changed from criminal justice, the very first thing I did going into my media studies was how can I make a heroin documentary about addiction now with current addicts, former addicts, with police, uh, with the fire departments, EMS, things like that. Yeah. Um, and that's, and I kind of latched onto that as soon as I switched over and it's, it's all goes back to wanting to tell that story. It, was that going to be in a fictional context or was that going to be like a documentary? It's, it's a documentary. It's actually, it's still uh, in the works right now. We had some, wow. uh, some more legal troubles than we uh, realized when coming into contact with a few different people, but Can you talk um, about it's that? still in the works right now. Hmm? Can you talk about that? The legal stuff? Yes and no. Like what I'll, gets I'll in the way? I, I once chatted with a, a a cinematographer who worked a couple of years on Intervention, the show, and you know, asking yeah. him about like what that was. I mean, they they stepped over the line a couple of times. You know, they in terms stepped of over the line. Yeah, and yeah. they can. Yeah. They can because they have 
they have like the permits and the budget and all that fun stuff. But <laughs> when it's, it wasn't even really anybody in particular, it's just that when you're interviewing, like, let's say the mayor of the city that you're trying to make uh, this documentary and then a lot of the times they are somewhat adverse to it because they don't want to come on and, and really say, Hey, I know we have a problem. And it's, it's just, it's crazy because there's a lot of truth that gets kind of like just pushed to the back burner and it it stinks because, and that's what really draws the line in the sand for a lot of that production is that there's a lot of people to interview for it, but a lot of them don't want to come on because, they don't want to give that negative stigma. They're trying to get out of that. But a lot of that healing comes from talking it out, it comes from a documentary, it comes from not even that, it comes from the articles, it comes from the buzz of even making it. Yeah, when you're, so, when, when you're telling a documentary, it sounds like it's a long-form, uh, maybe like feature-length documentary. Would you say yes to that? Uh, yes, yes. So each interview, I have it cut up in a way where... Um, each episode is like about 10 minutes long and there's going to be about like 10 or 12 episodes of it. So wow. it'll go up to increasingly into a feature length I where see. I'll just cut it together as such. I see. Wow. And so, I mean, how do you want to share it with us? How, how will we be able to watch it one day? So it just depends on who wants to help me distribute it still. I'm still kind of in the works on two other documentaries currently for other clients and it's, about how they want to have those distributed as well. Um, one of them uh, is trying to get up the funds to help solicit it to uh, Netflix and to Hulu and Amazon and all of, all those fun streaming players out there. Um, but hopefully I can get this thing out at least on the Amazon, at least somewhere out here locally. I've had a few different, I mean, hospitals, I've had um, different coalitions, things like that, the nonprofits that have come to me like, hey, we want to give towards this and we want to see this produced. And I'm like, that's great. Let's do it. It's just a matter of finding more distributors coming up with uh, the game plan to get the rest of it produced and then being able to distribute it. So where do you start with the doc? I'm very curious about this. Where do you start with the documentary? Like, do you have a, an outline? Cause you don't have a script per se, right? No script. So how Not are usually. you shaping it right now? Like, how do you know where yes. to go and how do you know when it's finished? So really it's all about the the overarching theme of what you want to go for. My theme for uh the heroin documentary for example is not necessarily to just say oh heroin's a thing it's bad it's plaguing everything. It's more so comes from the direct perspective of current addicts, what they're going through, their financial problems, their family issues, um, their education issues. And a lot of the times the current addicts that I, I even interviewed, they, they're not just um, just low class uh, people that are from poverty who've gone into drugs. They're, they're people that have their sports heroes. There's people that get into car accidents that are prescribed these drugs. And unfortunately it's, it just takes over their lives. And that's, it's something that's never as discussed because there's such a huge stigma where, Oh, only, uh, people who are just sincere drug addicts who have nothing in life to begin with go and get hooked on these hard drugs. But that's further from the truth since there's, there's, 
doctors, there's lawyers, there's there's people of meaning and interest to whole communities that are hooked on these painkillers silently that you would never know about. And it's, it's, a, it's a constant inner battle. And that's something that I kind of want to highlight uh, with those interviews and not just interviews from that perspective, but interviews with law enforcement, their perspective on it, uh, interviews with EMS and how many overdoses a day that they would have to run to and uh, do Narcan and all these crazy things. It's, when I was in criminal justice, we had, and this is like when it was first starting, we had to think like eight calls in one night that we got to all different heroin overdoses. And it's it's hard. It's hard to consistently see uh, all of those people who had um, them all just gone in an instant because of just pain. And, you know, it's something that I like to try and tell whether it's and it, and it goes back to the overarching story, too, that each one of these perspectives makes up that overarching goal of what this whole documentary is supposed to be about. Yeah, now that makes a lot of sense to me, for sure. It's more like episodic in nature. Um, yeah. You know, part of the luxury of being able to see you um, face-to-face over the internet um, mm-hmm. is I can see the detective cogs turning when you're describing yeah. this to me, you know? Do you see yeah. some sort of common denominator between the desire of wanting to be a detective versus you're not necessarily solving a case, per se, with this feature film, mm-hmm. but you are... I mean, do you go undercover? Do you try to hide the fact that you're making a documentary or is it more kind of upfront? I try and be very upfront with everybody. And that's the thing you have to be upfront too, because you have to get those waivers signed. Um, and you a could, lot of the times I him and say, we're making inter- a documentary. You could mislead your subject and say, we're actually trying to, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a this when really it's a PSA for that. Or like, right. you, could, you could totally manipulate them if you, wanted to yeah. for, you know if you i mean i'm not saying ethically yeah. that's okay but you right. know, i have heard from some documentary filmmakers that the number one rule in creating a documentary is to lie <laughs> i've i've also heard that i might tend to disagree um i'm i'm more for the truth usually i like to be more upfront and the people and i find that the people that want to help while you're being truthful usually offer the best sort of testimony for it anyways um, under the guise of like of something else, things can get real muddied real quickly, especially with the different situations that you might be parking yourself next to when interviewing these kind of people. You you may not want to uh, negatively impact their lives in that area. Yeah, you have a responsibility to right. treat them respectfully, of course, especially these subjects. Yeah. There's just Absolutely. so many different kind of guerrilla tactics out there. I don't think Werner Herzog oh, yeah. would lie to his subjects. I, I really don't. Right. Um, right. Do you see yourself making feature films that are, you know, fiction, fictional, where there's a script oh, yeah. and all that? You, I, can't, I can't remember if I asked you this. Do, do you write? Do you write scripts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. I do. I, I do. I'd say more pre-production on creative projects than I do for clients, mainly because client work is usually, you know, talking heads for businesses, whatever. Um, so it doesn't really, you just, there's nothing usually terribly creative with that, 
but I do a lot of uh, indie producing for the area. Um, I have interns that also write their own content from Kent State University. Uh, I have, or from last semester, I had eight interns uh, from Kent State, and I, they shadowed me on shoots. I taught them how to edit uh, more effectively, improve their workflow, how to talk to clients, uh, building an industry-ready resume, um, and a great demo reel. And every single person that's graduated uh, thus far, I've had, I think, maybe 20-some interns. Every every single one of them has gotten an industry job, whether it be on set of a movie, on set of a television program. I know that um, a few of them went on to do, like, American Ninja Warrior. Um, some of them work for different, like, in-house production houses, social media agencies, things like that. That's awesome. Are you an army of one, like your your company? <laughs> um, yeah, usually um, for like my specific company, RC Productions, I try to army of one it. Um, however, I do have uh, another LLC uh, called Cleveland Wedding Video where I have partners in it. Um, you know, wedding videos are always hunky dory and fun. Um, I can get a whole, get into a whole thing about that. Cause I do, I do like shooting weddings. Can we mainly that's kind of I a mean, recurring maybe, theme about how filmmakers usually, I ask every filmmaker, <laughs> how many weddings have you, have you shot? I shoot way too many weddings a year. Oh my God. But it's, it's good. Cause everything I see on like TV or in movies, like if there's shots that I want to like recreate, uh, I'll try it. I'll, that's the best practice is to do it at weddings. Cause if it looks good, throw it in. If not, you got a ton of other B-roll. Yeah. So let me, yeah. I'm, I'm curious because I've shot a few weddings. They were disasters. It was like a, <laughs> it was more of a what not to do kind of masterclass, which I'm really good at. Um, Feel it. So walk me through, like, can we do like a little simulation? Like I'm the bride? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hey, Jake, I really liked your demo reel. I like how you cut weddings together. Are you available um, June 9th to film my wedding? Uh, if it is, then yeah, absolutely. And what what are you looking for? We specialize in cinematic wedding videography. Um, we've been uh, showcased on various websites uh, including the knot and the wedding wire. Uh, we have an award-winning uh, videography team uh, full of award-winning sound editors, uh, award-winning directors. Everybody that is in our crew and our team is directly dedicated to creating and capturing perfect day for, for that client, for you wow. essentially. Um, so I have a couple questions. Number one is um, are there going to be people there that are going to take video and photos because i definitely want photos as well if you want photos we have a ton of people that we work with regularly that we can absolutely recommend to you however in order to capture the perfect day the perfect video for you we have to be strictly committed to making and capturing that day perfectly with video I understand that. Um, you know, I don't want to be all bridezilla about it. Was just asking. <laughs> you know, they say that. Um, <laughs> do you? Yeah. Uh, how many? How many people are going to be? Um, how many people are going to be on the ground, like filming and everything? Uh, usually, just two. We have one lead videographer as well as a second videographer that'll show up during the uh, more heavier bits of the wedding day, such as the ceremony and a lot of the reception. Okay. And how long does it take for you to turn a video around? 
So uh, we usually have a less than one month turnaround time. Um, as well as we do offer expediting, uh, expedited editing services where we can turn around in about three days. Holy smokes. That's insane. And what does the yeah. final product look like lengthwise? Lengthwise, it just depends, uh, whenever we would meet up, uh, for the, for the deposit, we would also go over what is uh, called the editing workflow where you would let me know, you would browse essentially the different demos that we've had, the different highlight videos that we have, and you can choose whether you want a edited down highlight of the entire day, usually around 20 to 30 minutes, uh, filled with nice cinematic shots, music, uh, the toasts, everything, or you can have a more documentary style of the day where it's a longer cut. You get the full cut of the ceremony, the full cut of the reception. Um, and it just really depends on what length you are comfortable with watching. Cause I know a lot of the, I know a lot of brides that are like, we want the full ceremony. It's a Catholic wedding. And I'm sure you don't want to see people standing up and sitting down for an hour and a half. You just want the good juicy parts. Wow. Okay, Jake, that's, very impressive. <laughs> That's so impressive, man. I mean, it's I've all never, about the workflow. It's all it, about the workflow. It totally, totally is. I got to say, you got it dialed, dialed in. My, I know that I hit the nail on the freaking head when I make that bride cry. If I can make them cry, that's how I know I did a good job. So, do you do you watch the final product with them? No, how usually you know? I'll send it out to them, yeah. and uh, and then they'll send me back a text with a bunch of them crying emojis like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. and perfect. Or this crying emojis. And they're like, this is fucking dog shit. Oh, you're kidding yeah. me. Oh, there's, I mean, it's great. People are crazy. Okay. So it's something better. I'm so curious about, um, how do brides brides, right? Um, how do like, they know what's trash and what's not? Like, have you ever turned something in that you're like, that's pretty good? And then they're just like, I don't fucking like this. And yes. what could you, why? Like, uh, where, does, where does that criticism come from? Like, how, how, walk me through how you talk to them about that. It does depend per situation. Um, however, my main goal is to find their pain point with either the editing or the shots or whatever and then talking them through what specifically they didn't like, whether it be an audio problem or be B-roll problem if we didn't get enough of it or if they wanted a, a certain part included in the highlight that we didn't get to. A lot of the times they'll be able to – and God, do they tell me all the problems that are wrong with the video. And a lot of – and you're right. A lot of the times where I'll send it like this looks pretty freaking good. I'll send this to them and then they'll be like, what the hell is this? I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. I need to fix this, this, and this, which I'll happily oblige to or one of my interns will. Um, however, it does get to a point where we've, we have had like brides, like Godzillas, and it's Have you ever uh, been like, here's your fucking money, I'm out? Have you ever – Given refunds. I've had, I've had, we've had to issue refunds before mainly, and we don't issue full refunds ever. Um, the only time we've, we've actually only issued maybe two ever. And, uh, both of them were from not circumstances on our part. And one of them wanted to get into litigation, but that was very fast. Like, no, they, they didn't want to get into that with us. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's people, wedding people filmography are just is like such a racket, man. It's not it's, worth it for me. For it's me such personally, a racket. 
Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's, brutal. it's a it's a terrible racket. Was but, it worth you it know, financially it makes, for makes you? Money. What's that? Was it worth it financially, money wise, for you? Oh yeah. I mean, I'll go out on a weekend to make fifteen hundred dollars. Fucking and man. yeah, right. I mean, it's a wedding, and then at this point, really, it's a matter of just setting up the workflow in a way that it just works for us. Cause a lot of the weddings we already do, we just kind of subcontract to the other videographer, a lot of other videographers that we have on our team and they'll go out and we'll pay them out. We'll pay out for the editors, uh, interns and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's worth it to me. It's so impressive. It's man. I gotta tell you, I like the way you got it dialed in. That's, that's really, really cool. There are people that are filming, weddings with like reds and just gnarly stuff like it's that that basically only do weddings like i know here in austin like that's their bread and butter and yeah i mean they yep. gotta figure it out like i think it's they so gotta cool. figure it out they gotta figure it out it's just it's crazy and i don't like having to stick with weddings i like doing them enough for the practice especially but it does come to a point where it gets to be a lot and it's always like around november december where i'm like oh it's almost over that's what two i two more weddings of the year that's that's <laughs> that, that seems to be like the consensus for sure yeah oh dear. actually funny enough in january i have my first wedding on saturday i see already wow man <laughs> that's great uh Shout out the the name of your business again so people can like maybe look up the website and, and search you up. Uh, it is rcproductionsmedia.com. And uh, you can go ahead. I put all of uh, – most of, I should say, of the latest work that I do. A lot of the times the clients don't like me putting up you know videos from them up on my personal website. But a lot of my more creative projects that I do – uh, you'll be able to see and find out on there. Uh, you'll be able to see a lot of like my commercial work. Um, not many, not much of blogs, but more, it's more so a website of just like a demo of what I do and how to, how to book. Jake, um, or, you know, we're not done yet, but I just, for people out there, I just kind of want to pause and say like, check out Jake's work. I, I'm, I can't believe it. Like, this is just so cool. Like I, this is like a testament of, who who showed you the way like where did you learn um the business side of filmmaking because i feel like once people got that figured out you can basically do anything do whatever was You're that not wrong i have to actually attribute that uh a lot of that really to my dad because he's also a business owner um he has a very strict business mindset he is he's a very pinpoint accurate kind of person, kind of like how I am where you need to have everything lined up in a row and you need to have that workflow down pat. Is he a military and vet? He's not a vet. He's not a military vet. He's uh, he's a mechanical engineer. Um, nice. He's, he owns his own companies and he does a lot of work for uh, the military for medical devices. Uh, he's worked with Apple and Microsoft, things like that. But he, awesome. he has a very good business sense, and I, I get a lot of my business sense from him because he's very no-nonsense. He has he he has an emotional side. It's just uh, – it's not very easily touched, and he can see through a lot of bullshit that people will kind of pander to you. And I think one of the things I'm really grateful that he's really instilled in me is to not – is to be able to see through people's kind of bullshit because there's a lot of people that want to like tug on your heartstrings to, you know, so you don't make as much money as for as much bread as you need for the for the family, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. 
Um, and one of the things that he's passed on to me is really the ability to kind of see through that and to get the deal that I want at the end of the day. That's a good skill set to pass on to your to your son. Funnily yeah. enough, maybe like 15 minutes before um, we got on the podcast, my my son asked me to buy him. He's 14 years old to buy him. Okay. Uh, his is so funny. I'm mentioning this. No one will hear it um, <laughs> to buy him a, a seventy five dollar um, windbreaker, essentially. And I was like. Are, are you okay. high? Did did you start smoking <laughs> marijuana? Where's the bong? What is happening? Yeah, right. I instantly like started making phone calls to like our local ice cream shops to see if they hire fourteen year olds, and they don't. I found one that hires fifteen year olds. But I was like, dude, yeah, Christmas just happened. Like, what is going on? What is this? You know, yeah. um, I grew up. You went shopping once a year. That was mm-hmm. it. You know, I wore the same shoes freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. I grew up a little sounds like me. <laughs> I grew up a little less fortunate than this guy, but you know, here I am, 31, trying to instill the value of a dollar. And also, you know, I got I have my own right. business as well with my wife. And so we want to be able to pass on these if he wanted to, you know, start working for the family business, he 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 could be his own boss, essentially, right? And so right. It's he's getting at that age where now it's time to talk about money and now it's time for you to make your own money and, and learn the value of a buck. Um, right. So I could take a, a couple of lessons from your dad, too. So just let me know where to sign up for his his master class. I'll, I'll take <laughs> for it. his master class. Yeah, I need right. That. I need that. For sure. So are you, do you like watching movies? I love watching movies. Do you I have try time and see to a movie watch movies? in theaters I mean, you're every, booked week. every weekend. I try. I try to go every week, every weekend. I uh, I I don't have anything else that I do besides being a full time filmmaker. So I try to allot one of those days uh, to be a movie watching day slash writing day slash catch up on editing kind of day. And uh, I think let's see. The last thing I saw was um, was the new Star Wars actually, and that was okay. Yeah, shot wise, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, story wise, I can't really complain terribly too much about it, but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really I like, remember I don't, it. I don't like trying. What's that? I don't really remember it. I, I know that it happened. It's yeah, I know. That's that's the kind of thing like with the newer Star Wars movies. It's like yeah, it was a thing. It was hyped, and then it's just like kind of fizzles. And you're right, it's not a very memorable story, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's also aspects of it that I can appreciate, and that's what I kind of do going into movies yeah. now. Is I can't just sit down and watch a movie anymore and just like take it in as is. I critique the shit out of the the composition, the writing, the dialogue. I look at my watch constantly just for the timing and the pacing of the script. Um, a lot of other things, but I try to appreciate all film for what it is. Um, and then I'll wait another few months and I'll watch Cinema Sins on YouTube and see what else I missed of the yeah. same thing that C- I watched. But Cinema Sins is basically like the ESPN highlights of movies. Like, yeah, if I don't want to catch yeah, up on something, I'll be like, let me just watch the Cinema Sins and I'll get the gist. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Do you uh, yes. w- walk me through like your daily routine? Because I'm I'm having trouble acclimating to working from home. It's not yeah. really it's you could presume if you've lived like the nine to five cubicle life that, man, I'd love to just roll out of bed and work in my pajamas, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. I, it's not it's not the most it's not 
it's not as desirable as some people think, right? So, what, what, I mean, walk yeah, me yeah. through like your sleep schedule. You know, h- how do you decompress? You know, I'm, I'm very curious about those sides of things. Um, so my daily routine, uh, it varies depending on what I have going on day to day. I'll have meetings. Uh, I usually I had two of them today. Um, I, I usually have, besides those meetings for, with clients, I'll have pre-production meetings. Um, I'll have editing that I'll have to get done. Sometimes I have to meet with interns. I have to assign work to them. Um, it really just depends. I, I do, I, it, I'm not the military guy that wakes up at five 30 every morning, makes my bed and gets on with my day. Um, a lot of the times like today, I was actually up till 4 AM last night and I got up at like 11 AM today. Uh, just from editing stuff. So it really, it really just depends. I can't do that anymore. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I have kids. I literally can't, but like that used to be the, that used to be the way for sure. (laughs) That was, that was the way, that was the way for sure. It's, it just all depends on what just, it just depends on what needs done. And a lot of the times, if you're the only person to do that, then get it done. Are you filming these weddings on this black magic camera? What's that? Are you filming these weddings on the black magic camera? No, um, not yet. I should say, uh, I usually use a GH four or GH five S, uh, or Sony a seven S two, um, mainly because they're smaller. Obviously they're easy to set up for like gimbals and stuff like that. However, for top patches and stuff, I'll, I'll use that. I won't film in six K because that's hella overkill, but six, uh, 1920 by 1080 on a six K sensor looks pretty dang good. Yeah. Totally. Uh, it's a Super 35 sensor, no? Correct. Oh, that's yep. beautiful. Did you ever fuck with, uh, now we're talking real nerd talk, so sorry listeners. Yeah, the, my filmmaker listeners will appreciate this, but and everybody yeah, else, right. I apologize. Bear with me. Skip ahead like five minutes. Um, <laughs> did you ever fuck with the Canon like C200? Yeah, yeah. I love the C200. What, you, what do you think about that? Is that, a, is that a good buy nowadays? It's several um, years old at this point. Yeah, it's old. It's As old of now. This recording, it's, I believe the the Canon One DX Mark III just came out. Yeah, that's right. Peter We're McKinnon really just did a video that. on I it. I don't see what it what could. I don't see how it's it's still behind as far as I'm concerned um, for a run and gunner. If you have a GH5, right? What Absolutely. is what is going on? Like, don't get me wrong. I love the photos are like Mwah, for sure. Like, right. I love taking stills. I take. I make a lot of money like taking stills. Um, mm-hmm. And I love mirrorless cameras. I don't, I don't care. You know, I use the Canon uh, 5D Mark IV. It's totally fine. Like, That's what? Fun. Why are why are? I mean, these these are like set six seven thousand dollar cameras DSLRs. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Why are these things so overpriced? <laughs> Their specs are like I. I love Canon. Like Canon's. I sometimes I use yeah. the 5D Mark IV for video, like the 4K yeah. crop. Like it's, it looks good. It's, oh, it's amazing for sure. It don't get me good, wrong, right? But, uh, so it's just so strange to me. What? What? Well, how dare they? Is what my question. How dare? <laughs> answer that. How dare they? How dare they? Canon's always been kind of behind, though. That's the thing. It took them this long, really, to finally get a 4K sensor into a camera that's not fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. That's and that's they've always been kind of behind when it comes to video, but they're also coming from a market where they were just photo for the absolute longest time. Very true. And now, now there's video uh, coming into the mix with, you know, media nowadays. It's, it's just, it's a lot of catch up on their part. 
Um, but during their catch up, because they're also still trying to be the best when it comes to color technology and when it comes to like fast lenses, Canon tries to be the best at that. But then because of that lacks in video, that's where I'm, that's where I'm kind of seeing my take from. Um, however, it's, it's good to see that they're starting to put like a good foot forward into the video market. Um, cause a lot of people, as you said, they don't want to spend $7,000 on a Canon C200 or C300 Mark one or two. They, they want to spend like $2,000 maybe on like a five before and, you know, get the same quality really, um, from a smaller camera. That's easier to run gun. And for, a lot of it too is when you go and you go to these movie sets where these clients and they see you shoot on a DSLR, a lot of the times they're going to be like, you're a video guy, where's your video camera? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a stigma in and of itself that that's I could true. go on for a year about, but same, you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. I will the say Canon, the GH5 yeah. came out years ago. It's still unrivaled in my opinion. The stills are okay. If, yeah. you need to, if that's all you have, uh, 4k 60 frames a second the iso is good the autofocus is pretty good they just released a firmware update where they made it even better yeah. uh micro four thirds yeah. lens are very adaptable there's you me, you and me talked about the meta the meta bone so if you're that kind of yeah. guy that needs it it's totally worth it you can lower your stop the battery yeah. i'm using a gh5 right now to record this you know there's no record oh, limit cool. the batteries last fucking yep. forever you yep. know, the, there's I, the internal in-body stabilization. The stabilization lenses have, is so nice. It's just so good. You know, there's nothing it wrong. Is. I mean, geez, and and God, and they're cheap at this point. A GH4, you can get like what I don't know. I don't want to say brand new, but maybe eight hundred bucks is like the yeah. most it'll cost. Yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. It's, it's unrivaled. The GH4 was amazing too. I love that. Game. Yeah, I saw I just, my GH4. It's I just gave my dusty. GH4 away to a friend of the show, Louie. Uh, Louis Phantom, you know, uh, he's and he's putting miles on it, and I love that camera to death. And, That's uh, awesome. Oh, yeah, he's gonna be so good happy times with, with that. the GH4. Love the GH4. Actually, did you know that the uh, the GH5S's sensor is the same sensor that's in the Blackmagic 4K? No, the way. Pocket 4K, I should say. So, what's yeah. the what are the key differences between the S and the GH5? I'm curious. So the GH5 is more of a multi-tool. It's designed with video in mind. However, it's still more of that picture, video, multi-tool, whereas the GH5S comes natively, as it should, as a, with a, as a video camera, with uh, P-Log, with, uh, with a logarithmic color profile, the, the grayscale for color, for color correcting. Um, it comes natively with the GH5S, where with like the GH5 and the GH4, you'd have to buy that $100 add-on SD card that you have to buy from Panasonic. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I've that's, done. That's, yeah, good. Yeah. I love I love shooting in log. That's also why I love the Blackmagic, too. It's just... It just looks so good. <laughs> it's just so – it's nuts. It is um, really beautiful. I will say that like I'm – I need to dedicate maybe a week or two weeks on um, on DaVinci Resolve. Like I've messed with it. I've played with it. It's pretty cool. I like it yeah. quite a bit. I know it's proprietary and so you have to use it when it comes to these cameras. Oh, by the way, B-RAW. Really. Like the, the B-RAW is – beautiful too like uh yeah i rendered it in proxy on final cut i usually use final cut and so i was able to color mm-hmm. it and play with it and it was really cool on final cut da vinci's a little intimidating to me yeah 
Yeah, it's. I've seen it's, people edit sound on it. Like it's really good for editing sound as well. Yeah, um, it's something I want. I ha- 2020. I'm putting it on wax so I can hold myself accountable to it. Like I need to jump right. in the deep end when it comes to DaVinci Resolve just because it's kind of becoming a standard. Like it Premiere is. is losing its l- luster, I've noticed. Yeah, it's, it just I've never had a crash problem with Final Cut. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Final Cut guy, and I've dabbled with everything. But I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've messed around with avid with final cut with premiere i i kind of tend more to go to the adobe suites just because of how really integrated everything is um da vinci is definitely a different beast because that's not really the traditional way an nle is kind of set up for editing right um however there are like for premiere at least i'm not sure if it has it for final cut yet but uh Blackmagic did release a free plugin so you can import B-RAW files into Premiere finally. Yeah. Because um, when the 6K originally came out and even like with 4K and stuff, they uh, it wasn't necessarily native. You had to use a no DaVinci Resolve to edit things in B-RAW from that camera. Yep. Or you'd have to pay $30 for like this third-party plugin to edit on. Uh, Premiere Final Cut, but now mm-hmm. they're starting to kind of come out with it for free, which is nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's good. It's it's definitely good to be well rounded when it comes to editing because there's certain clients where that I've edited for. They're like, "Hey, we need this edited in Avid. We need this edited using Premiere or After Effects or yeah. uh, Final Cut." And usually, I try to mm-hmm. kind of tend to go away from Final Cut mainly because I'm on Windows. Mm. Um, but I can still export my premiere timelines as final cut timelines. Very true. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I'm gonna, it's one of my goals. Um, I got to play <coughs> with the, the 4k black magic and I was really impressed with it. Uh, you have to deck it out. I think the body is so cheap because you got to probably get a monitor with it. Um, you got to yeah. get an easy rig, the SSDs, um, it yeah. shit, shit adds it's, up pretty fast. It did. I mean, this this 6K cost, like, with the rig and all, I think it ended up being around 5000 What do you, do you have, like, a, a V, uh, what do you call it, like a V battery? Yeah, a V mount battery. Yeah, yeah I have a 190 uh, megawatt hour V, uh, v mount battery, and oh, man, I have yet to charge it once. It's It really hasn't even gotten to 75% after a week of using it. Wow. So, like... I think we're good. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. that's a delight to hear. Do you remember the Ursa? What happened with that? I love the Ursas. They just came out with the new Ursa 4.6K. It's like the Mark II of it. Really? Yeah. It looks it looks good. It uh, got rid of a lot of the problems that um, the original Blackmagic Ursa had, as well as the first iteration of the 4.6K. Yeah. Um, being like the low light issues and the grain tendencies of the 4.6K, but... From what I've seen, it's it looks like a really good upgrade, but for fifty five hundred dollars, man, you can get the six K <laughs> and a good rig, and it looks just the fucking same. Um, you know, yeah, it looks just the same, if not better. You know, it's it really just depends on what you want, and that also goes back to if you're a video guy, where's your video camera? And that's even like my thing with the six K is like it's. It's a beefy camera, but it's still it still has the dimensions of a DSLR. Really, it's just a yeah. fat DSLR. Is it heavy? And 
uh the rig itself is heavy like with everything on it probably around like 15 pounds but is that a monitor i see um, on it yeah it's a focus five inch monitor oh those are lovely yeah those things are they're fun actually i love it too because uh you can set up on the 6k to uh set up the monitor uh, for the focus to be a different display than what's being displayed on the camera monitor. So you can put false color on the black magic one, and then it will just look like a regular monitor on the top. Yeah. So you can like really go into the fine detail of being able to color and white balance easier, um, without having to switch between the different view modes of it. Yeah, man. I mean, you're inspiring me. Um, uh... I like, I just can't go down, me personally, like I can't go down the, I'll, it's a spiral for me if I start window shopping for stuff. It's like, I don't need it. I don't need new stuff. <laughs> I do not need new yeah. stuff, man. But it's so, especially for what I do, like I decided, you know, at the last week of 2019 uh, that I was going to invest more in, in podcasts just because of, mm-hmm. I'm able to get my messaging out there and the return that I've been getting with especially going daily has been pretty good and filmmaking it's so hard to do it by yourself it is super hard hard. and and then i'm like a for lack of a better term like this personality in front of the camera so it's like you know being able to do all all this stuff it's you know yeah you become a a renaissance man through it it's it's interesting for sure not by design. It's, I didn't intend on being a renaissance oh, man yeah, by any means. And absolutely. I certainly wouldn't call myself that, but it's just you, you force yourself to, to learn all the trades. That's right. And that's right. And I, I, I say this to every single one of my interns. The more you learn, the more you freaking earn and yeah. the more valuable you become on set, really. Uh, that's, and that's even proven like when I was working on Cherry when they needed 10 people out the ass, the head of the art department came up to me and was like, you did more – in an hour on your phone that I was able to do in the last like month trying to hire people. I'm going to write that. I'm like, down. cool, let's keep doing it. <laughs> the more you learn, the more you earn. earn. That's a bar. Yep. I love that. That's a bar, dude. That's a fucking bar. <laughs> um, so 2020 dude, what's it look like for you? Uh, what are some metrics that you want to hit? Uh, what are like vanity metrics, numbers, earnings? Like, what do you want to do? How do you want to be fulfilled? When do you see yourself, completing your your heroin documentary and what you know the year just started man and you got a wedding on saturday like you're fucking german yeah. suplexing life <laughs> and i love it so i mean what's, it, what's it look like for you what's the plan the plan for 2020 uh is to get on to the next big hollywood set they said they're going to call me back sometime in february for i think a peter jackson film that's being filmed in cleveland hell yeah um so I'm going to be on that, like flies on shit, uh, for a little bit. And then, uh, I mean, besides even that, I want to keep on doing those weddings. I have a lot of clients still booking. We have a lot of traveling to do. Um, I, I just bought a plane ticket to Amsterdam cause we're premiering, uh, something that, uh, we won, uh, in Cleveland's in Amsterdam or in Rotterdam, I should say, uh, at, uh, at a film festival. Thank you. That's Thank you. Awesome. It's, it's it's a lot. It's great. Um, and really, even besides that, uh, look, going even more forward, trying to get the rest of the equipment situated because in going into 2020 and a uh, big reason why I'm, I'm like getting this thing. Uh, we also got 
uh, in ordered right now a uh, Sony FS7 Mark II, uh, which is a bigger Sony cinema camera, and uh, it's Netflix grade. So now we can actually start creating things and optioning it off to producers at Netflix, especially since we're working in the actual industry around here. Um, it's, it just becomes more feasible every step of the way. It's just, you got to find those points to make it more feasible and just hitting it right on the head. Fuck yeah, dude. And that's what we do. Man, that's no smoke. That's so inspiring to hear. Um. Good, man. I'm glad to hear that. Fucking A, and I mean it. Um, geez, wasn't the Panasonic SL1 also Netflix grade? Yeah. What do you think about that? Yep. That's one, that's that's one, the S1H. Um, it's I love Panasonic. I, I love my GH4. I love my GH5. Um, I think the S1H is perfect for what it is and really is about the same price as that fucking thing, too. Um, I just kind of want to actually it is full frame, too. But I don't know. I just like black magic just because it just has a better kind of color depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used the S1H once and it's it's good for what it is. I'm just trying to s- steer it a little bit clear of dslr bodies mm-hmm. and more go into the the video body side because as much as, as shitty as it is it is also like 10 percent about looks to clients too which fucking sucks but yeah it's something to think about and when people see you bring up a rig onto set they're like oh this guy is a video guy not mm-hmm. just another person with a gh5 trying to go out here and do things which nothing Nothing bad towards any of that. That's how I fucking do everything, really. Um, that's how I got all of the stuff that I do now is through that GH4 and through that GH5 and through a Canon 60D, the trusty, dusty Canon 60D. Yeah. And, trusty, uh, dusty. <laughs> I, dude, we got a, I want to do another podcast sometime in the future where I, I, I want to break down and really, uh, I, want to kind of dude you could teach me like quite frankly like i think we can do like a little maybe we'll make like an event out of it like a film school like i want to see you do a seminar and i mean that because i've i've done them before well there you go at panels i have interns that i teach at kent state i'm i'm not averse to teaching especially if it makes our industry grow like farther and better because that's my main goal for my kent state interns is to make sure that they're ready they are ready they're not just another person out of the gate who got a film degree and doesn't know what to do yeah i make sure that they're all ready for the industry that they have a good demo reel and they have a good fucking resume and that when a hiring manager or a producer or director sees them it's a no fucking brainer and that's what i try to instill on just about everybody wow man well shit nick i gotta i hopefully with my work, you know, I never know what state I'm going to be in every month. Hopefully, when I'm in Ohio, Fine. I'm going to say what's up. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Come through, man. Yeah, I'll pay you to watch you work. <laughs> it's going to be it's good. Fine, man. Jake, this, yeah, was, dude. this was awesome, man. Thanks for taking time out of your evening. I know it's an, you're an no, hour no ahead, and I want to be respectful yeah. of your time. So, man, fine, man. Uh, keep crushing it. I appreciate it. I love what you're doing. Thanks for reaching out to me. You've done so every year since I've been like this presence online and, uh, you know, you've you've just been really cool and you continue to be cool and keep doing what you're doing. You're inspiring us, man. And I cannot wait to be seeing it in a the theater uh, watching a movie that you produce, direct, edit, 
you know, that you shot, awesome, it's, it's going to happen. It might just happen. I might just be in my living room watching something on Netflix, but <laughs> it's still going to happen. And I look forward to that, brother. That's the plan, man. Thank you so Thanks, much man. for I doing this. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Absolutely, bud. Thank you. Thank you.